You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host and artist, Michelle Lockery. Today we're, um, well, we're taking a little ethereal journey with a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Jill Meredith. Jill's an art teacher, and I met her while we were doing a buoy project, and getting to watch her work with her students was just incredible. She is a true artist, a true natural teacher, and her artwork is just absolutely like she finds the soul in in her paintings or in her sculptures and with her hands like she molds her students. Um, she has this expression that comes to life in a way that takes you to another place in time. So um, grab a cup of tea and um, enjoy some time with Jill as we go on a, a journey, on a walk in a garden, just talking about the importance of art, art education, and just playing with some crayons. Good morning, Jill. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I chased the puppy around this morning and I hear you have a new puppy. I do. I chased her around in the snow and the beautiful blue sky day we have. Yeah, it feels like spring or something's actually broken that when I was getting ready for the podcast, I was like actually washing my windows going, okay, I can see some light. I know, I know. And it just lifts the spirit, hey, when you can see that sign of spring coming. Yeah, especially this year, hey, it's definitely difficult. And that's why I'm doing this podcast because, I mean, for me, I mean, you, know, you and I have known each other for a while. So I'm trying to think, how did we met through the school, right? Yeah, I think we met because we both had a passion for working with youth at risk. And you started that buoy project and um, you were across the hall from my classroom. So I kept poking my head in and eventually we just got chatting and became friends. It's interesting. I remember a conversation that you, me and um, my business partner, Stacey, had in a pub, which is where all the best conversations happen, about things oh. that right could happen and I'm feeling that the conversations we had way back then are starting to be very relevant today. Do you, do you remember that conversation? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, because I think everything just takes so long to permeate. And then all of a sudden you realize it's, it's heading up the bell curve and it's getting ready to be the right time for it all to happen. So tell me a little bit about Jill. When When was the first time I want you to go back to opening the first package of crayons or whatever hit you as a child that this was your path? Hmm. Well, uh, my mom said I just constantly was always taking all the tissue boxes and turning them into little houses and shelters and things. Like, I think I just always, from when I could... Um, play and move like my play was always creating things whether we were outside running around with the neighborhood kids creating gems and little you know habitats for us to live in or whether I was sitting at home playing with a tissue box I think I just always have been in the process of creating you know I love doing this podcast because it sort of feels like a memory awakener as you're saying about the shelter, yeah. right? As I'm saying, yeah. right? I'm saying. I could picture us all running through this. So we used to have this 
big piece of land that had been half developed behind our house back in England. And the neighborhood kids and my brother and I, I can just picture us all running through the grass and playing games and building all these dens. It was, yeah, that was a fun memory. And as you're saying that, I'm having the same memory of my brother and I and our friends running through the undeveloped land around our house my dad was building because we had moved and building a den in the backyard of one of the people's house and living in there for like, you know, nine hours and thinking, and it was just a big hole in the dirt. Yes, that's too. <laughs> that's so fun. Huh? Well, and I and guess like, you go ahead. Uh, well, I think that's a lot of what makes us who we are these days because we grew up with that kind of um, connection with nature and creativity and you know imagination and just that freedom it was it's a good memory it is i'm watching my grandsons because brit's got them in um, a waldorf outdoor school and just they are they've actually gone back in childhood in some ways that they seem to be less stressed and much more free talking about bugs and worms and it's just amazing to watch. Oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it's unfortunate that we have to make schools like that because our children can't live like that. No, no. It's, uh, yeah, but to be more natural in learning it definitely makes a whole lot of sense. It does. So when's the first time, or did you ever have an experience, that that art creative was challenged, that somebody fractured that thought hmm. yeah and i would say it's back to that sort of um uh growing up in schools and things like that i was a pretty quiet person um i've always been a really strong person but i'm quite quiet and i don't always throw everything out there about who i am and what's going on in my head and right the way through school i was always told i wasn't really an artist. I don't really have what it took to be an artist. And I was just quietly kept pushing through, but I definitely had that always hanging over me that I would never be able to declare myself an artist, even though my whole life I had, it, it, it was just part of me. Like it, it wasn't a choice usually to be part of that creative cycle. So then when I decided that's what I wanted to specialize in and go into teaching, I was told both things. I should be a librarian because I was quiet and um, art probably wasn't something that I should follow. I should find a different thing. So it was um, an interesting journey because I think it gives me huge empathy for the quiet people that I work with every day. So That's amazing. I was quiet. I know people are shocked when I say that. <laughs> but I was. I was really shy and very geeky and read all the time and my dad came into my bedroom one time and said you need to get a life like this is this reading is enough like you're never going to amount to anything and I know he had fear of my but I still to this day am quite the recluse and in my own space I'm quite quiet hmm. that's interesting hey yeah yeah well I guess that that means we think a lot and reflect a lot and probably that's why we're creative perhaps it's quite amazing because I would never, I don't see you as a quiet person, even though I can definitely appreciate you seeing that. I see you as a very, very solidly grounded creative force. 
like you have when you when you walk in the room or I'm watching you walk into a room because you have arrived, you have almost this whimsical strength. It's absolutely quite. And then when you start speaking, you're so intelligent. It's just like I go, wow, that's like watching a painting and unre- un- sort of unravel. Like, you know, the threads and all of that starts telling a story. That's how I imagine you. <laughs> that's cool. Thank you. That's nice feedback. Because <laughs> I don't think you ever know. I don't, well, I, I just think you often don't know how you come across to other people. Hey, you know who you are inside. And I, I always feel like a very strong person. But then sometimes the feedback you get is perhaps you're not that strong person to other people. So well, I, that's I, neat to hear. Well, as turning 60 this year, I'm, I'm really starting to really care less and less about opinions. Because my whole life I've been told I'm either too yappy, too quiet, too forceful. Nobody can understand me. Oh, you're crazy. Those labels, I do. <laughs> yeah, no, they're fun, right? Yep. <laughs> I kind of see. I want to start making some jeans. I want to get a whole bunch of wrecked jeans and, and create these art jeans. Like, you know, that got, I want to embroider all the shit that people have said about me and wear them like my flower power bell-bottom jeans. Oh, that would be neat. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a Well, great... <laughs> and I guess it's better than saying nothing if people don't say anything when you've had no impact on their presence, on your presence has had no impact on them. So Yeah, it's quite, that, that's a cool project. Actually, we should totally do that. Yeah. I mean, imagine what kids would do. Wow. Like, you know, think about the labels that they wear on their jeans and turn them into something beautiful. Yeah, wouldn't that be neat? That could be the next sunflower thing. Well, we got the skirt, so we're, we're doing, because um, that always goes back to immigrants for me, right? Here's a really cool thing, Jill. People that are coming forward in the project, like I've been t- I talked to Raven Zeller on a podcast the other day. All of the people, predominantly women, are all immigrants to Canada. Really, hey? Yeah, it's crazy. It's either their parents were or, like, it's really strange or have such similar backgrounds, and it's almost like, the granddaughters are talking. Ah. Yeah, so that for me, the sunflowers, is, and, and I know you know that side, that there's this, for me, this immigrant Ukrainian side. But I'm thinking all of the immigrants that came, like my best friend when I was in school, who passed away, unfortunately, was from England. And I grew up in a very English house because I lived at their house all the time. Thinking of all mm-hmm. that, it's the blended feminine arts that are leading now would you see that do you see that yeah i do see that yeah so tell me about your sculptures now (laughs) for me Uh, tell me about why you created them and i want the listeners to know all about these amazing women that you create Hmm. so for me they were um they were Sculptures that were capturing the ponderings and the curiosity of life, I think. Because usually I begin with just uh, sort of grounding myself and um, feeling an energy of something. Sometimes I draw it out first and use that to sort of build the concept that I want. And then I kind of just get into that right brain that we all get into and I just let the clay and the, the way that things emerge just take over until um, it gets to that point where 
the the essence of the character is there, and then it's just making decisions about you know what how to embellish them or how you know the how they're going to stand without falling over and things. But the faces and the for me, it's always the face and the tilt of the head. Yeah, and then how it sits in the body, whether the shoulders are going to be asymmetrical or symmetrical, and whether they're leaning back or forward, all of that body posture seems to communicate what the what the sculpture's going to be embodying. They're so and then like, the, they're so fragile yeah. but strong at the same time. Like I now have two and have gifted two, and I just love them. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's interesting because it's like again, you've taken the paintings that you've done. And you've turned your paintings into these little sculptures of stories. They're just amazing. Yeah, and I think that's the whole process for me is uh, whether it's sculpture or painting is just embodying an energy. And often in my paintings, it's a little different because I am in, I am observing a something about energy that isn't working in our planet or in our communities. And then working it through to try and solve that and and turn it into a positive energy. So the paintings go through a bit more of a a journey to sort of bury the the stuff that doesn't feel good in our society, to turn it into a positive energy for the final piece, whereas the sculptures are more contemplative and more pondering on those aspects of our world. That's so cool. It's interesting. That's another theme. I think about the healing that artists do for the communities. I mean, we all know we're healers and that's an ancient wayfinding thing and it's part of what we do. But I think there's two types, and I'm not labeling artists, but I think there's artists that really create out of pain and healing. And then there's commercial art. And I I see so much commercial art right now. And then when I look at artists like yourself, you really are healing the world with your hands. Mm. Imagine, yeah. imagine if we could all be together in this great big farm. Like I just see, wouldn't that be a, I mean, I know it's a dream, an art farm dream where as we age, there's all these gray haired women that have these studios and it's just this animal and kid and art and paint. Wouldn't that just be the most beautiful thing? Oh, it'd be incredible. Yeah. yeah. But then in the past, I've been part of studios, and the, my absolute favorite one uh, was where we were a studio community, and it was just, it was at the hub when the hub was opened downtown Vernon, and there was four of us in the room, and we all had our own separate areas that we would also each month one member had to set a challenge for the rest, and we had to create art around that challenge, and I really loved that community. So imagine that out somewhere in nature where we all had our own little hut to retreat to, to work. But then we also had that community piece where we were sharing those creative journeys. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think about that. And then I think about the contradiction of the senior homes or my mom locked up in her trailer across the province who would just thrive. How many people would thrive in that? Young and old. Mm. Yeah, well, then you have that idea of the village raising everybody because then you can have all all generations and when you start to get to that age where you need support, there's people there to support. 
Dr. Carl Schutz, who invented Shamanus, worked with a guy. The guy was a hermit. I don't remember his name. And there's a, it was called the Hermit Trails or whatever. And they had a thousand artist village type thing going on. And you would go through this gateway in Shamanus and walk. And this hermit had built all of these trails, crazy, and things in the trees. And then Dr. Carl Schutz had made these like little cabins. And his dream was to have artists living in these cabins. And then when the gate was open, people could visit these artisans, but they would live there. Oh, wow. It never, I don't think it ever happened. I think there's parts of it that were there, but I did get to experience it with him once. And, you know, it's funny because the murals were like that for me. I mean, we would go to work every morning at six and there was always 20 to 30 people around in some form, whether it was administration or art or creating or getting food or getting paint. And I got to live probably 20 years in an open air school in that it was, it was just brilliant. Yeah. And that's where the real learning happens. Right? Well, so it's funny. We've all come together again and uh, you and I worked together on the buoys and it was such a starting thing. And I had this, this dream and it was like a gravel road for sure of trying to recreate that and not having to be on the walls all the time. And, um, and now we've come back to the sunflower trail and you're a part of that. But it's been interesting that we've all come together and there's been some conversations about how can we do this trail where we can do exactly what you said. Because Gallery Vertigo is definitely struggling to keep open because of many things. And that conversation is happening. How can we make an artist-run center that feels more like a community? So that's kind of a really interesting, as you're talking, I'm going, hmm, that should be on the table of discussing that. Well, what could that look like? Yeah. Yeah, because if they disappear, it's really hard to get them started again, you know, when we have artist centers. But otherwise, we all retreat into our own little insular lives and, and we lose that community piece, which I think is essential. Well, I think and I love Gallery Go has gone through a lot of changes over the years. And it's always been this great center of creativity. Um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of things that it's the money piece that always gets in the way. Well, so what would you, what would be your opinion on the whole fact of how much work does it take to become an artist or to be an artist, not become, we are artists, but how much work? Uh, for me, I can't speak for other people because sometimes you talk to people and it seems to come very easy for them and they seem to have a very structured, organized life. But for me, it, it is just in every aspect of my life. So I would say it's all encompassing. And I would say that it takes an entire lifetime. And I often tell my students, you know, you'll be 90 and you still won't have, like, become the, the best artist you can be. And I think it's a constant push. As artists, we either put as much as we want into it or, or we box time off. But I'm somebody who is just constantly thinking about it. For me, it's the same. And I, for me, knowing so much about grants in my life, I got, you know, I worked my ass off to gain the money to help many. I think, I don't know what the world's perception or my peer perception of me is, but the amount of time it took to write the grant, and it still eats at me because I can see it. I know it exists. I know it can help. But the exhausting part is trying to bring people together to understand that together we're stronger as a community. And it's not all arts, right? It's healing and new Canadians and crime prevention. And it's 
the sources of money come from many ways. And I wish I could just, mm-hmm. Rick says to me, why don't you just, just, just do your art? And I go, because it's like these voices over here in my head keep telling me, but you could help more artists. And so it, it's a real yeah. struggle for me. Well, and I have always admired how tenacious you are, that you just keep going, even when you get knocked back for things or, or you get promised things and then they don't happen. You just keep going and just keep fighting. You're this amazing pillar of strength in that. Um, yeah, you have a, a huge calling for pulling people together through art. And it's and, and thank you for saying that because it's been really tough. Like last year, I mean, I seem to just get it to where, you know, like before I could get substantial amounts of funding to share with many. And then you start to know too much. And then when you know too much and you know how fractured our society is and how we really don't share, then I feel like I'm Joan of Art. And I'm just like, just just calm down. But I just, I think would be the same passion that you have for teaching is that you see this and you go, if you just could just, just say, come together. Everybody have a meeting and everybody pick kind of like the stone soup thing. You put something in the pot. Yeah and learn it's 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 wonderful but frustrating at the same time mm-hmm. it is and i think the older i get the more i am absolutely uh dedicated to the thought that without interconnectedness our world will fall apart we have to live an interconnected life we have to be a village that raises our communities we can't all be um, independent or dependent. We have to find ways of being interdependent. I so agree. And I was thinking, I was talking to my mom and I did a podcast with her again because I just keep her involved. And she's so wise because I'm doing this project called The Women of Michelle. And it's really just interviewing women that raised me. And my mom, mm. my mom describes, yeah, Jill, I totally welcome you to, it's just going to be amazing. We really want to do some kind of different kind of art and tell the story of the immigrant women that we stand on, all of us. And um, she describes moving into a coal mining town, this very you know, beautiful young woman who just came out of college and fell in love with my dad, who she thought was Elvis Presley, although he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she describes living in this multicultural immigrant community full of coal dirt, and she speaks so highly of the connectedness of everybody helping everybody. Yeah. It really is a beautiful thing, and I think that we all come from that. And I, I think that if we could somehow, and, and connection is exactly right, if we can connect and use the resources we have and share them in a shared economy, I mean, it could be brilliant. If you think about it, it really, that's what communities have been built on for centuries. Yeah. And, you know, when you... When you take the time to be a community, when you take the time to know the people, um, you know, whether it's through sitting in circle and just sharing and or um, working on projects together, when you really get to know somebody that maybe perhaps you might have been tempted to judge them or been tempted to um, not, not really even give them any thought, when they become human, that's when we embrace diversity because we start to know each other's stories and that's when the world becomes a much more healing, positive place. Those are really, really good words because if you think about COVID, 
do you see, I, this is how I feel, and I can't, I just, when I'm out there, I feel like people have taken their masks off. Like, not their physical masks, the masks of who they were pretending to be. Mm, in what way? Well, I always thought, like, when, before COVID, people would walk around and they would have, like, you know, they wore their masks and they wore their certain clothes and they had their organization and they did this job and it was sort of a superficial hello when you work together. But now people, when I see them in my eyes, it's like kind of like we've known each other because we've all been connected through this common pandemic. And I think that we realize that we are not an island, each individual. I just, it's funny. I just keep seeing, I go, wow, that's not how they used to look. Or that's not how they used to approach me. Or, or they're more willing to be open. Or just, I don't know. I find that, right. you know, I'm not saying it very well, but. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. And I was curious what you meant by that. Because I've also been really worried about uh, the lack of community through COVID because we were all suddenly shut away. But I see what you're saying because we were all isolated. And then when we have started to come together again, we're just so very grateful for every connection that we have. That's what you meant, right? Yeah, and I think that people are much more willing to go, hey, hello, and be vulnerable in that connection because you appreciate mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's quite, yeah, right? Can you imagine if you made the dolls of the people before COVID and then the dolls after? Like it's, I don't know, there's some beauty in it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably not so surface. Mm -hmm. Maybe because we had all that contemplation and time to just be because we couldn't do all of the things we're usually dashing around doing. So you just had that time to ground more. It's like the world kind of um, slowed down. It was a really beautiful, I know I wouldn't want people to think, yeah, COVID was great. But I do believe that there has been, as hard as it's been, there is, however the shift is, I do think that as we come out of it, we're all a little battle weary. But I think the gratefulness that I hope, I mean, I'm way more grateful for my artist friends and my mom and my grandchildren and friends. Like I just, you know, I had some pretty hard times the last two years. And wow, the people that reached out to me, I'm I'm a pretty grateful girl. Mm, yeah. And that's the nice things about, you know, the positive things, I guess, not nice things about uh, going through hardships is what you come out the other side with, for sure. Yeah. Some of the artists I follow on Instagram when the whole COVID thing happened, because I don't know about you, but it did not. Some people got really creative. I kind of shut down in my creativity with, trying to just make sense of it all but it, a lot of the artists I followed on Instagram began to call it the great pause mm -hmm. I had and no, I like that I love that I had no creativity none yeah <laughs> me neither yeah but afterwards once I assimilated and sort of had time to reflect it, it definitely powered up my work for sure did it power up yours it powered up the podcast for me, which was, I, I was really did not want to do this. And my business partner was, you need to tell the story. You need to write the book. You need to teach communities that if you can come together. And I was like, I don't want to be out there. I'm, I'm tired. I just want to paint. I, I want to write the story, but I don't want to put my voice out there. It's too hard. And oh, it just, I felt 
like I didn't want to be naked again. Like I felt sometimes naked on those walls because you're just always in the community. And as much as it was wonderful, there is a side and I had a really bad experience on one of the walls and I swore I would never put myself back out again. Uh, and then, you know, it, I did a couple and I did some with my mom. And then I was like, I want the layers of stories. The murals that I've done, they're just paint. But the stories underneath the paint are masterpieces. And so yeah. I realized I need to tell the every person, the First Nations youth, the homeless, all of the stories that are underneath the paint gel are my painting. Mm-hmm. And so this has been really, and honestly, people would think that I'm really brave. It was really hard to try to figure out how to do a podcast. I'm being very honest. And, <laughs> and, and it's been really interesting of who will and won't be on the podcast. Yeah. Well, when I listen to a lot of podcasts, it's almost like a script in them. Like you hear a, a very similar pattern throughout all of them. And um, I was always a bit intimidated by that. Yeah, but you know, which it's just the same as climbing up scaffolding. Like I hadn't met Raven Zeller and I reached out to her. I hadn't met her. I just really appreciated what she was doing. And I said, do you want to be on the podcast? She's like, okay, well, just like you and I are talking, well, we had the best conversation. And, and then now she's connected with my daughter with similar things with their kids. And it felt just like when I was on the walls and how you met people it became almost the fire, the cave, you know, the fire in the cave, like we've been teaching first times again. And it does the same thing if we're brave enough to climb up the digital scaffolding. Yeah. Yes, true. Yeah. So I want people to do a takeover too. I want like, so if, you know, if you were interested, because it's quite a simple process, Kyle, that figured it out, is um, to have conversations and let people be able to be connected. And I think that this is a medium that um, is healing. <laughs> uh, my, my mom says it's the confessional. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I just died. I was like, oh, mom. I said, she goes, well, you guys should just drink some wine. And I was like, oh, and I have some, Jill, like, honestly, I could just, oh, there's some stories. And, and I think we'll get there of things that happened when we were in the, in, Scotland and when we were in England and some crazy things that a bunch of artist friends did when we just took off and I think that's where I'm hoping we're at now that we can create with a sense of joy and fun again yeah I'm fine that yeah yeah and that would not be neat just to because the world is always going to be hard and there's always going to be things that trip us all up and um, globally and individually, but wouldn't it be great to just always come back to the joy? Well, I'm thinking, I look at my mom, she did her first public art commission. She just just got it, just finished it, and it's been put up with stained glass piece. It's just incredible. And she just kept, she says, you know, in your older years, she said women really, you know, she read something that women past 60 are more productive than any other years of their lives. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to hang if on. I, if I, if we retire and we we can just do what we want to do. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it's more that we, we think more about not giving a shit, <laughs> just creating. And I, yeah, true. right. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We've been building up to it for a lot of years. What's next in Jill's art? What, what's your next plan? Do you have a plan or are you just going to go with it? Um, 
Well, I think every time I begin something new, I get this real excitement about a new adventure and I'm always reinventing things. I don't think I ever do the same thing twice. And what's coming in my paintings right now is this almost like a spirit vessel form that seems to really be presenting itself. So I think that's building on the whole piece around listening to our elders and our our, um, indigenous ancient elders who had all this wisdom that somehow our uh, world lost for a long time. And it's very exciting that it's becoming part of our cultures again. So these spirit boats seem to be um, quite invasive in my paintings. And then they're also coming out of my sculptures. And I had a happy accident because I bought some clay that was rather too wet. And it, it's a very dark red clay in my sculpture work. And so it's kind of, I decided rather than dry it out on some plaster slabs, to just embrace that and see what happened when I worked with very wet clay. So I've got these very organic forms of, um, they definitely have a lot of female energy to them. They almost are embodying that ancient wisdom piece to them because they're not as colorful and they're very dark and they're very organic in their shape. So I think that's where my art is going oh, at the wonderful. moment. It's going back to that. That's wonderful. Yeah, the roots, the roots of who, you know, the wisdom, I guess, of ancient peoples. The red is interesting because I'm embracing red as well. And I think about the Ukrainian boots on my Ukrainian side and the the red ribbons and that I wonder if that represents that knowledge because I've always been a little bit frightened of red. Mm. Red's the grounding color, isn't it? Isn't that your grounding chakra? Yeah. Mm. It's in, and, and the magenta, we picked magenta for the radio logo because it was the top chakra. Yeah. I know. So that was that feminine. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Mm. So, we're moving ahead to do that wonderful mural for Dalvir. And of course you're invited to partake and we're fundraising to do it, but I want there to be five individual pieces that are all representing the female community and healing. So I'm already seeing your piece in my imagination. I'm like, Oh, Jill. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and that was the neat thing about the sunflower project, wasn't it? Because a lot of those artists, some of them, I knew and have met with before, but there's a lot of new people to connect the new ideas and see new ways of doing things. It was really wonderful. The show was just wonderful, and I'm pretty excited to see where it all goes. And the response has been incredible, like around the province. People wanting, like if we have like a magic button, we'll, we'll do a sunflower project. I'm going, okay, you can do it. Yeah. Right? Just more means more. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. And a big magenta mural. I love that all. Yeah, so that's what we're planning. That's what we're we're at that meeting for coming up. So that's gonna be like, ooh, what's the next step? We're already that's me too, Jill. Oh, next adventure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's good. That's what keeps us young and joyful and yeah, every day should be an adventure. Yeah. So this is our next. <laughs> that's my promise that's made my promise to my little granddaughter because she's this little warrior and i need to be light and cheery for the next years with her because i don't want that you know i just you gotta it's time to grow the sunflowers and i'm just embracing that so jill thank you so much for being on the podcast and it wasn't so hard hey we had a good time 
yeah, it was good. Alrighty. <laughs> I'm not that was awesome. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, I'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Bye. It's the art and the history connecting all communities. The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.